You are Locked On Hawks, your daily Atlanta Hawks podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Hello, friends, and welcome to episode 274 of the Locked On Hawks podcast. I am your host, Brad Rowland, coming to you live from Phillips Arena in the aftermath of a fifth straight loss for the Hawks. It's the home opener, of course, and uh, that means that I am high atop Phillips Arena in my little perch here on postgame. So if you hear some background noise, that is what that is for new listeners. I try to record the uh, podcast after home games in the arena if possible, and uh, tonight was slightly delayed by the concert from Run the Jewels. So shouts to them for delaying the process a little bit on this fine Friday after, Friday evening into Sunday, Saturday afternoon. Normally, I would hold this for a, a Monday show wrap up the weekend, but since I took a day off this week and it was the home opener, I decided to plan ahead and, and do a Saturday and do a Saturday show. So here we are with that um, but you know the Hawks fell by the final score of 105 to 100 to the Denver Nuggets on this night Paul Millsap's return was uh, sort of the headliner in addition to the to it being the home opener of course and uh, Millsap was a story of course uh, you know 16.6 rebounds and for Paul in 30 minutes a lot of uh, positive thoughts from about Paul from the coaching staff and the players from the Hawks um, you know sort of a universal respect factor for Millsap in this spot um, also the Hawks ran a tribute video to him in the first half he acknowledged the crowd with a hand wave and there was a standing ovation given upon Millsap which I was happy about he gave a lot of incredible time to the Hawks so uh, good good to see um, the Hawks fans recognize that um, on a night where obviously it was more focused about the Hawks, but that was uh, sort of the, the the short straw being uh, drawn by the Hawks to have Paul come back on opening that because you, you couldn't really give him the entire uh, focus of the evening in terms of promotion, all that fun stuff with the uh, home opener. But alas, that's what happens. And uh, you know the game was uh, kind of what it was. The Hawks did com- the Hawks did compete quite a bit in this game. Uh, they were in the game t- until the final minutes of the contest. Um, ended up coming by a five a five point margin. Mike Budenholzer after the game referenced the uh, Nikola Jokic jump shot in the final minute or so. That was the biggest shot of the game, in my opinion. They, the he was three at that point in time, but Jokic knocked down about an 18-footer at the top of the key that uh, was able to uh, sort of seal things for the Nuggets. Although the Hawks did, they never really kept, uh, never, never really stopped coming back. I should say down the, down the end, a couple of uh, shots fall differently, and it would have been a different game. But a five-point loss that's a cover if you're scoring at home, as the Hawks were seven-point underdogs in this game. Even even with the even with the return of Dennis Schroeder to the lineup, uh, you know it was, a, it was a competitive loss. The Hawks actually, uh, I've talked I've talked quite a bit about the fact that. Uh, the three-point shooting has been interesting for the Hawks in recent days. They actually took a lot a lot more than Denver did in this game and actually made a lot more than Denver in this game. The Hawks converted 14 of 33 from three um, from, for a nice 42% clip, um, whereas they held the uh, Nuggets to four of 20 for a 20% clip from the three-point range. But uh, that was uh, sort of the only thing that the Hawks were dominant in in this spot. Uh, as a rebounding um, entity, the Hawks actually mentioned quite a few times, Mike Budnoser after the game referenced the 16 second-chance points that the uh, Nuggets had some I think that stuck out to him in this game. Although the Hawks were not dominated on the glass by any stretch of the imagination, they did allow 11 offensive rebounds, but that wasn't a huge thing. But some uh, some standout ones there, and uh, that allowed the uh, Nuggets to sort of hold serve in this spot, despite the fact that they did not play particularly well. The Hawks shot the ball well from three, but that was basically the only thing that they, that they did exceedingly well. The defense was not ideal, uh, especially when considering the, th- the three-point defense was actually good. The rest of the defense was not great on a per-possession basis and offensively. Uh, aside from making threes, there wasn't a whole lot to uh, write home about in this game. Um, you know, starting off with the um, 
Rotation a little bit here. Uh, this is a very, very good game from Torian Prince. Uh, 19 points, 7 rebounds, 4 assists from Torian in this game. I actually talked to Mike Budnoiser a little bit. Uh, this is part of the uh, post-game address, obviously, from uh, from this evening. But I did speak to, Tor to, to Mike Budnoiser about Torian Prince. And this is what he had to say in the aftermath of what was it, a rough game on Thursday and a much better game on Friday. Yeah, no, it's, you know, it's kind of a great bounce-back game for Torian. Um, you know, I, I think he probably was a little bit frustrated and, um, you know, wanted to come out and have a better game tonight than last night. And he certainly did it. His drive and his bounce and, you know, his ability to get to the paint and finish. Um, a lot of good plays from Torian tonight. So, you know, now the challenge for him and, you know, a lot of young guys is now let's do it again um, Sunday and continue to put get good game on top of good game and, you know, have more of our guys do the same. As you can hear there from Bud, it's very interesting. Uh, you know, obviously not, not a big surprise that Torian played well in this game, but he was he was quite bad on Thursday, and it was uh, you know consistency for young guys is very important as Bud notes there, and uh, something to keep an eye on in the future. But Torian was very good uh, in this game. He sort of credited his confidence and sort of his mindset in the aftermath of the game. I talked to him a little bit in the locker room, and he uh, mentioned focusing more on defense and having, sort of letting the game come to him. Um, we'll see if that continues in the future. But a very very strong performance here from Torian. Before we get into the rest of the breakdown, as we always do on the podcast. I try to give you guys as much as I possibly can on all of these guys. But before we get into that, I do want to talk to you about, about the good folks at SeatGeek. Buying tickets to sports and concerts can be complicated, but there's a better, easier, simpler way to buy from SeatGeek. SeatGeek is the smartest, easiest way to buy to get into tickets for live events. With SeatGeek's seamless mobile experience, you can buy full tickets in just two taps of your screen. SeatGeek helps you find the best seats at the best prices. That's fully guaranteed always, and there's nothing quite like seeing your favorite team, musician, or show in person. And SeatGeek will always get you closer to the action for a tremendous value. I have the app on my phone. It's by far the easiest way I've found a shot for tickets. I can be absolutely anywhere. Where just a few taps on my screen, I can instantly find seats for ever for whatever event I want to find them for. I actually was just using SeatGeek the other day to explore some uh, some Falcon stuff and some concert stuff, sort of poking around uh, maybe with, with my next big ticket purchase. And that's the best place to do it by far. It's the best uh, way to, way to ex extract value, and that's always important for people on a budget. It's designed to make your ticket, your ticket buying experience easier than ever by saving you time and money by searching multiple ticket sites to compare prices and find amazing deals. SeatGeek also grades every single ticket based on value called Deal Score to help you immediately identify the best seats to fit into your budget. Plus, every single purchase is fully guaranteed so you can shop with tickets. Shop for tickets on SeatGeek with, with absolute confidence. You can make the SeatGeek app your go-to app for finding the best deals on every single type of ticket from concerts and sports to comedy and theater. Best of all, my listeners to the podcast get a $20 rebate off their first SeatGeek purchase. You need to download the SeatGeek app today. Enter promo code LONBA. That's L-O-N-B-A uh, to take advantage of this fantastic offer for $20 off your first SeatGeek purchase. That's it. Once again, that's L-O-N-B-A and uh, check out SeatGeek today. Uh, thanks again, Seek, for sponsoring the show, as always. And uh, we can get back into the recap here. Uh, obviously, the other headliner, is, aside from Paul Millsap's return, was uh, Dennis Schroeder playing in this game. He was listed as questionable coming into the contest. But uh, Mike Budenholzer, uh, a little bit a little bit surprisingly, at least in my opinion, because they had him listed as questionable. But it was the home opener on the second out of a back-to-back, -back, so they clearly had this pegged as his return date. Dennis didn't mention that as well. And uh, he looked pretty good in this game. Uh, Bud mentioned that he, he played him a little bit more than he wanted to. Played about 32 and a half minutes, uh, but had 20 points and six assists in those in those 32 and a half minutes. Seven of 16 from the floor, two of six from three. Defensively, was not great by any stretch of the imagination, but did have the best uh, plus minus on the team tied with Dwayne Dedman uh, with a plus four in 32 and a half minutes. So I thought I thought Dennis played very well, about as good as about as well as you could possibly ask him to play coming off of a uh, a little bit of an absence here. And uh, you could definitely see the uh, how just how different the Hawks' offense is with Dennis around versus when he's not around because. 
frankly, he's the only creator on the roster at the moment, especially with DeAndre Bembry on the shelf. And uh, good to see Dennis uh, play well in this matchup. You know, this is a, this is a spot where uh, he has a clear advantage at point guard. You know, Jamal Murray is a big name for Denver, but he's not he's not a point guard in my estimation right now. That's going to be scaring anybody. And uh, the backup point guard in uh, Denver is Emmanuel Mudiay, who is a little bit bigger physical uh, bigger physical guy, but at the same time, not a, not the worst matchup in the world for Dennis. He was able to take a pretty good advantage of that in this game. Uh, elsewhere in the starting lineup, Dwight Debbitt had a double-double with 13 points and 10 rebounds in 24, almost 25 minutes. It was 4 of 9 from the floor uh, in this spot. I thought Debbitt was very, very good. Had a highlight dunk and then actually followed up with a highlight block shot in the first half. I referenced that in my Peachtree Groups recap, but that was something that sort of jumped jump off the page to me that was a, a sort of a highlight play from uh, Debbitt. He's not necessarily a highlight player, but uh, Debbitt, I thought, played very, very well on both ends of the floor. You know, held uh, Nicole Jokic in reasonable check when he was guarding him, was asked to guard uh, Paul Mosep a little bit, was asked to guard kind of freed a little bit and I thought Denman uh, played very well. Uh, there was a reason that he was on the floor uh, more than John Collins in this game. He was, he was just much better than John Collins in this spot, who we'll get to in a second, I promise. But uh, I thought Denman played well, and that's something that is definitely encouraging because you want to see him play well on, on a regular basis. Uh, Ursula Sova played 30 minutes in this game, uh, 7 points, 3 rebounds, and 2 assists, was 3 of 11 from the floor, 1 of 5 from 3. Um, shot the ball well early on in this game, but uh, was not great aside from that. Uh, Ursula had a, co- a couple of high-level passes that I noticed in the course of the game, but a challenging uh, night for him and having to face off with Paul Mosap quite a bit. Uh, he's obviously not Paul Mosap in terms of uh, overall skill set, but I thought Ilyasova wasn't, wasn't awful despite the fact that he did not shoot the ball very well in this game. It's not all about shooting the ball well, but I think uh, that sort of uh, paints the picture of what Ilyasova brings to the team where he does not shoot the ball well because he can still sort of fill in, fill in the gaps a little bit, but not quite in the uh, way that it's standing out off the page unless you are really kind of digging deep and looking for that kind of thing. Uh, finally, in the, start, in the starting lineup, Kent Bazemore, seven points, three of nine from the floor, had six rebounds and four assists in 26 minutes. It was sort of an anonymous game for Kent. He wasn't awful by any stretch. He had, had two block shots, a couple of highlight plays, but was not a uh, prominent slash effective game for um, Kent in this game. I didn't think he was awful, again, by any stretch, but uh, was, you know, semi-solid minutes, but he was sort of outshined by Marco Bellinelli, who we'll get to uh, right now. Marco Bellinelli, 27 minutes, uh, had 15 points, two assists, two rebounds, and uh, three turnovers. Was 5 of 8 from the floor and 5 of 7 from 3. He was the biggest culprit. Uh, actually made more threes in this game than the entire Denver Nuggets team. Uh, Bellinelli is that classic guy who looks very good when he's making shots, looks very bad when he's missing shots, but he was making shots in this spot. The Hawks needed his offense by far. There's no question about that. Also, his secondary creation is always effective. He has the ball in his hands quite a bit on, the, on that second unit, and you can't really blame uh, Mike Budnoser for letting that happen. But uh, I don't think Bellinelli um, is any great shakes by any means. But if you, if you make if you, if you make shots, he can uh, definitely turn games in a hurry, and he was plus one in those 28 seven minutes of action. Uh, next on the agenda, John Collins. Six points, eight rebounds, and five fouls in 13 minutes and 47 seconds. He was two of 11 from the floor. Uh, that's slightly misleading, I will say. He had five offensive rebounds, and I think all five of those uh, may have may have been uh, missed putbacks. He had, uh, I don't think, uh, by any stretch of the imagination, he had 11 shooting shooting possessions. It was all there were, there were a couple of uh, multi-time shots that all did not go in for Collins. That sort of contributed to his two of 11 showing. But in general, I thought he was very jittery and uh, maybe even nervous in the in the first quarter of this game. Could not really catch the ball, was having some trouble with his hands, looked jumpy, which is not not a, not a shock considering he's a rookie playing his first home game, but 
This is the worst game of John Collins' young career. Not a, not a black mark on him necessarily because he's uh, you know he's very young and uh, losing you know playing the the team's lost five games in a row. This is this is his sixth game as an NBA player, uh, but he was not good in this spot. You know, defensively, it's always been an adventure. Um, there were, there were not as many bright spots as there were dark spots in this game. But uh, just in general, just sort of a lost contest. It was not a situation where I was calling for him to play more. A lot of Hawks fans, uh, I've heard a ton of Hawks fans calling for more Collins. That did not really happen tonight, although. There is an argument to be had that you know playing him all the time or playing him a lot of minutes, even when he's struggling, is probably a good idea. <clears throat> I will not argue against that, but in the same breath, this is a competitive game that Bub's clearly trying to win, and uh, he, he rode with the other guys in place of Collins. It was tough to argue against that in this game because he was just not playing very well in the slightest. Um, Malcolm Delaney had a much better game here, I thought. Seven points, uh, three assists, and th- it was three or four from the floor, one of two from three, and 19 minutes of action. Uh, Malcolm was a minus 13, which has to be noted because that's something that uh, I'm sure people will jump to. I thought he was very, uh, I don't want to say he wasn't like, exceptional or anything like that. This is probably one of his better games in the last few for Malcolm, just kind of a level-headed. I think, I think his defense remains underrated. He's always in the right spot at the right time. Not the most physically gifted guy in the world, but he, he sort of makes up professional decisions on the perimeter. Did have a couple of uh, ugly passes. There was one in transition I'm thinking about right now where he kind of just threw the ball right into a chest of a, uh, of a, of a Nuggets defender. But uh, in general, I thought Malcolm was much better here than he has been the last couple of games, which provides some optimism. The, the Hawks did use uh, multiple point guards in this game behind Dennis Schroeder. There was a couple of, you know, a lot of two point guard lineups actually with Schroeder and Delaney and also Schroeder and Isaiah Taylor and Malcolm and Isaiah Taylor. Taylor only played five minutes was one of one, had two points and a foul in those five minutes, but basically I think he played the entire time alongside another point guard. I'm not sure Bud will do that when DeAndre Bembry comes back, but for, but for now he's uh, been leaning heavily on those two-point guard lineups. Part of that's lack of options, but they did not um, want to go seemingly to Tower Dorsey uh, or Josh Majette in this game. Neither one of those guys were uh, able to take the floor. Uh, Nick Persino was the one healthy and active. But, but I, I think at some point soon you'll probably see Majek go, go to Erie because if he's not going to play minutes and he's now he's now the fourth point guard, there's not really going to be any any sort of reason to have him around um, because you're running his clock. You only, you only get 45 days. Today was uh, day f- uh, I, believe, I believe day five of Majek, so he only has 40 more days on the NBA roster of this season. If the Hawks want to use him for emergency purposes later on, they might want to consider sending him down sooner rather than later. So keep an eye on that. Um, finally. Um, Mike Muscala is the last guy we have not talked about on the podcast. 20 minutes, uh, had four points and three rebounds, had two fouls and an assist, uh, a steal and a block. Uh, was minus six in 20 minutes. I did not think he was particularly good in this game. Uh, offensively, obviously, the shooting kind of speaks for itself. It was one of six and 0-3 from the floor. Defensively, though, um, was a little bit better than he was last night in uh, Chicago as I'm recording this, but uh, not, a, not a great situation for Muscala. I continue to think that he's uh, miscast a little bit on this roster. Not his fault, not the Hawks, not the Hawks fault either, because they uh, obviously uh, – Look to have unearthed a gem with with John Collins. At the same time, uh, Muscala probably needs to play center, and he probably needs to play with someone who's uh, uh, a, little bit, a little bit more athletic and kind of cover up cover up for some of his faults at the power forward position. Uh, when he plays with Collins, it's probably the best case scenario. But in the same breath, I don't think uh, Muscala's role is exactly perfect for him. I will say though, he's not played particularly well in the, in the early going, and some of that is on him as well. So. We'll follow that away. I still believe in Muscala as a rotation player, but a lot of people do not. So I've, uh, I'm definitely hearing that feedback. I have some uh, some more close watching to do, but uh, the situation is not it's not the best for him because you know even the one time I've been calling for him to, him to play more center, but the one time he played more center in this game was that we, we played next to Oshley Sova. I don't love that pair, that, that pairing either. There's not a lot of force there, not a lot of rebounding there. So it's sort of a tough spot uh, matchup wise for Colin, uh, for Muscala, I should say. And uh, listen, I think if at at some point in time they'll probably look to uh, play. 
play, play Collins a little bit more. That might come at the expense of Muscala, but at, at that, by that point, we could also see Dwight Dedman traded. So file that away just for the future, but I didn't think that uh, Muscala was fantastic in this game, nor did I think he was awful by any stretch either. So file that away, and again, um, that's kind of the rundown for today's game. Uh, not, not a ton of news to get to aside from the game, so this is going to be a pretty short podcast, but it's a Saturday show. I hope you guys appreciate the uh, quick turnaround on this one. I plan to, uh, Jeff Siegel, my partner in crime over Peachtree Hoops, a frequent guest of the podcast, is in town, so I plan to do a, a live two-man recording uh, in the arena on Sunday that will be the Monday show, so stay tuned for that. If there is any big news, which I can't imagine there will be, I, I could pop in before that, but for now we'll plan on having uh, everybody back um, uh, in the same spot, this same place on Monday morning um, for a new podcast. I said this on yesterday's show as well. We, we just we, we just transitioned from Audio Boom as our host site to uh, to Megaphone as our host site. So uh, all that means is to, is to say, do not go to Audio Boom anymore directly. Um, if you are a, a Apple Podcast listener or a Stitcher listener or anything with an RSS feed, you will not be affected. But if you are used to uh, clicking through uh, directly to Audio Boom, that's not going to be Megaphone. So just sort of uh, change that bookmark up a little bit if you can, or subscribe somewhere else. Preferably subscribing somewhere else on Apple Apple Podcasts or Stitcher, leaving leaving a podcast uh, a favorable podcast review would be a positive thing for me if you like the show um, but either way uh, make, make sure to check us out on twitter if, that, if you have any questions at locked on hawks or or me at bt Rowan. if you have any questions at all about that i'm happy to answer them i want you guys to get the podcast in the best possible way um, for the future so thanks again for listening everybody hope you guys enjoyed the uh, friday despite the fact that the hawks lost and uh, shouts to run the jewels who was uh, in the building as i mentioned before and uh, still still a lot of cleaning up around me so i please uh, again i apologize for the, for the uh, background noise but hope you guys appreciate the uh, sort of live in arena in arena authentic experience on this fine evening happy saturday everybody and i'll see you guys on monday